Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. 1 John 5, verse 4. And then also Mark 9 and verse 23. But before we look at those verses, let's pray together. Father, we come before your presence to study your word. And as we do, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and guide, to enlighten us, to instruct us, and to quicken us according unto your word. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost, for thinking through my thoughts and speaking through my lips, dear Father God, to communicate effectively to your people the knowledge of the truth that will make us free. For all that's achieved, we'll be quick to give you the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 When I first got born again, saved, washed in the blood, however you want to say it, that's okay with me, as long as you know that you're born again. I had a desire and a hunger in my heart to know the Word of God and to know God better. What about you? Has that been a longing desire of your heart in your life? Well, that was mine. See, I had this hunger, just like a newborn babe gets hungry all the time and begins to cry out to let you know that's how I was spiritually. I mean, I wanted to know God. And to be frank about it, I envied those that knew Him better than I. I did. As a matter of fact, there was a fellow that I worked with in a mill and... He came along and shared with me some portions of Scripture, you know, from the Word of God. And I saw right away that he knew a whole lot more than I knew about the Bible. And it just caused that hunger in me to become greater and greater and greater. And I wanted to know more and more and more about God. And I was not satisfied with where I was at in God. I wanted to know more about Him and learn about spiritual things. I don't know about your experience, but I know about my experience, and that's how I was. Sometimes I think if we can bottle that and put it in every person who first gets saved, you know what I mean? Who makes a decision for Christ, boy, I tell you, you can make a mint on that. (laughs) I'm only kidding. I would never market the things of God. But I'm talking about finding out how to get somebody on fire for God. Because sometimes we see people supposedly get saved, and yet they have no hunger for the Word of God. And they have no longing desire to really get into the Word of God and dig into it and, and, you know, be active in the things of God. As a matter of fact, today, it was a blessing. You know, it's, it's a blessing to be a Christian. How many of you know that? Oh, it's an absolute blessing to be a Christian. As a matter of fact, we had an opportunity really to minister to people today, going to hospitals and, you know, visiting and, and uh, being with people. And uh, this last visit that we had today, we were at the Aliquippa Hospital and... Uh, sharing the Word of God with someone who attends church here. And we oftentimes will do this. And while we're sharing the Word of God, of course, there's somebody else in the bed, you know, next to her. And um, she got her Bible out and she was telling us, you know, I had a, a dream. She said, I dreamt about a snake. And she says, and every time I dream about a snake, I know there's some enemy out there trying to get me. You know, maybe it was a devil or whatever it was, she says. And she was just going off about this snake that she was dreaming about and everything. And finally, after... You know, talking for a while with the person that we were visiting, I just felt impressed to ask her, are you born again? Not everybody that picks up a Bible is born again. Did you know that? That's right. That's true. And so 
you know, we walked over to her and asked, are you born again? And she said, no. I don't think so, or I don't know, I'm not certain. And my goodness, I says, well, there's an open door right there, isn't there? <laughs> it's good to be a Christian. It's good to be alive in God. It's good to know that we can do something for God on this earth. Amen? Amen. And so I just began to share with her about, you know, if you're a Christian, you know you're a Christian. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. You don't try to be or think that you are or maybe you might be or anything like that. You've got to know. You know, I looked at my wife, Kristen, and I says, well, look at here. I says, if I were to ask you, are you a girl? And she said, I think so. I mean, what would you think of her? There's something wrong with this girl, right? <laughs> she doesn't know that she's a girl. She thinks that she is. And the same thing is true with a male, you know. And she says, well, I guess I can see that. And I says, well, if you're a Christian, you know it. If you're born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, you know it. And uh, she wasn't certain. And so we just shared with her the Word of God and said, you know, you can know. And she wanted to know. And so to make it short, we led her to the Lord, you know, prayed the sinner's prayer with her. And as we prayed the sinner's prayer with her, I mean, right when we got done, Boate, she got a hold of that and she said, he came in. He came in. He came in. I mean, she, I got it. She was so excited. You know, and, and you think about it for, for all these years, because she said for a long period of time, people have said things to her, and she said, every time I had a dream about a snake, I thought it was a devil or some enemy out there trying to get me. And so I right away go to the Word of God. I, I would open up the Bible and start to read something, you know, trying to get some help. In, in, in actuality, she was crying out for help, but nobody was really giving her the information that she needed to have. See, it was important that someone come along with the knowledge of God's Word and share with her the things that she needed to know to get saved. Amen? You know, we just can't assume anything. And, you know, my wife and I talked about it afterward and, and said, you know, we really weren't planning on going because we had service tonight and we were preparing for that and everything. And, and on the way home, I thought about it. I said, what if we had waited till tomorrow? You know, she'd have actually almost a whole day not being saved when she could have been saved. <laughs> think about that for a while. I mean, think about that. Or the thought is this, too. She said she might have been going home tomorrow. And had she gone home and we didn't get a chance to talk with her, you know, I'm not saying she wouldn't have got saved, but she probably wouldn't have got saved right then. Do you see what I mean? I'll tell you, it's so important to know that you can be useful to the kingdom of God and you can do something to really, you know, help promote God's kingdom here upon this earth. And you can affect the lives of people that you come in contact with, you know, every single day just by answering just, or asking just simple little questions like, are you born again? Do you know God? You know, and then having the knowledge to lead that person to the Lord. Well, I had a hunger for the things of God. I mean, I wanted to know Him intimately. I wanted to be a part of His plan. I wanted to fit in somewhere, you know, to help the body of Christ expand on this earth. And so I would just cry out to God and I would just say, I want to know you better. I want to know your word better. I want to totally dedicate my life to you. I want to serve you in whatever capacity you would have me to serve you. You know, and what does He introduce me to? The life of faith. He introduces me to the life of faith. You know, I got a hold of some books by some fellow. You might know who he is. His name is Kenneth E. Hagin. You might know of him or heard of him or whatever. And, you know, I began to pick up his books and just start reading some of these books on faith and how faith works and all that. And I'll tell you what, I was so thrilled to be able to understand the Word of God and to know truth from the Word of God that I ne never had known before. And it was good just to have a little Bible help to pull some things out from the Word of God and just kind of make it easier for me to better understand 
God's laws, God's ways, and God's principles. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, those books were instrumental in helping me better understand how to live for God and how to appropriate faith that I knew I had in my heart. I really believe that the body of Christ suffers a lot because of not knowing how to appropriate something that they have already from God, and that is called faith. You know, you can have a jet in your backyard, and if you don't know how to fly it, it doesn't do you a bit of good. What good would it do you if you didn't know how to fly it? You could boast and say that you've got a jet in your backyard, but it wouldn't do you any good unless you're going to have some kind of parties back there or something like that and just invite some friends over and, you know, just sit in it or look at it or whatever, but it's not going to do you any good. Well, I discovered that we all have faith. Every single one of us who is a born-again child of God has faith. But I also discovered as I began in my Christian experience that many did not know how to use the faith that they had. They had it, but didn't know how to use it. Didn't understand its operation. And as a result, it was very difficult for them to appropriate the blessings of God in their lives. And so, once again, as I began to study these things and find these things out, I just said to the Lord, I want to dedicate myself to teach your people faith. I, I do. I want to dedicate my life to this because I see that many have a lack of knowledge or a lack of understanding when it comes to knowing how to, to live by faith and appropriate the faith that they already have. And many are sitting back and listening to some things that are coming from pulpits that are destroying their faith and not promoting their faith or causing their faith to grow. And I knew that God didn't like that. God didn't want that. He wanted people to stand behind pulpits that would encourage people to believe Him, to believe in His power and His might, to, to esteem His Word highly, and to live by faith. I want to show you a verse here in, this, in, in 1 John chapter 5. Look at verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world... And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our what? Our faith. Are you in this world? I know I am. Are you in this world? Well, if we're going to be in this world, we want to be able to overcome this world. Everything that this world throws our way, we want to be able to overcome. Isn't that true? We don't want to go through life defeated. We don't want to go through life overcome. We don't want to go through life barely getting along, serving supposedly the God of the universe, yet destroyed in this life. God doesn't want that for His children. He doesn't want that for His people. He wants His people to rise up to a place where they walk as overcomers in this life. And they are victorious when they face circumstances in this life. And the way to be an overcomer in this life is found right here. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our what? Our faith. Well, if our faith overcomes all that the world brings our way, then we need to learn how to walk and live by faith and in faith. Now, you know as well as I do, if that's true, then we're going to have an enemy out there opposing us and wanting to prevent us from learning how to live by faith or appropriating the faith of God that we already have on the inside of us. Because, you see, he doesn't want us. The adversary does not want us to be an overcomer in this life. The enemy wants us to be destroyed. 
He wants to exercise authority over our lives and discourage us from using our faith in this world. Why? He's the God of this world. The Bible says. He is in control of things here upon this earth. The Bible says. Jesus himself said he's the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of this world. We have that revelation in the word of God and we know that it's so. And if it is so, then he does not want us interfering with his program. That's understandable, isn't it? Because the only one who is a threat to the enemy in this life, in this world, is the born-again believer. You are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Do you realize that? Every morning when you wake up, you might see yourself differently, but he doesn't. He sees you as being a threat because you're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Because potentially, you can use the faith of God to overcome his kingdom. He didn't like that woman getting saved today. Did you know that? That did not make his day. I just want to let you know that today. That did not make his day that someone else got born again and is in the family of God right now. See, the enemy doesn't like that. The influences of this world, the powers of darkness that are in this world, do not want people to realize that God loves them and that God cares for them and that God has a beautiful plan and program for their lives. He does not want the average person out there to know that God has already provided for their sins and has made provision for them to, to be free from sin and enter into the kingdom of God and experience a joy unspeakable and full of glory. He wants people to sit back and think that there's nothing they can do about their destiny. There's nothing they can do about their condition of life in this world so that he can continue to destroy them in this life. Well, beloved, it's up to us to let people know that when they come to God, they receive faith. And with that faith, they can overcome the world. No matter what it is that comes against them in this life, they can overcome through their faith. Now, I want you to turn with me to that other scripture over there in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. Here's a situation that a family was facing. And a family that's just like families today. No different. People think that people back then were different, but they're no different than we are. They have lives like we have. They have family units like we have. They have children like we have today. You know, they probably went to work every day. Maybe their work was somewhat different than our work here. But, but still, it's the same. You know, the sun rises up in the morning and it goes down at night, etc., etc. And sometimes it's hot and sometimes it's, it's cooler. Sometimes it's raining and sometimes it's not. Life goes on day after day, day after day. People are the same. Well, here's a situation where a family had a problem. I want you to look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, and let's begin with verse 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And none of the multitude answered and said, One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And let's stop right there for a moment. Can you imagine what that family was going through? Can you imagine what was taking place in this family unit? 
These people were saddened probably for the most part of their lives. You know, they had the joy of, of knowing that they were going to have a child. They were excited about this new life that was being brought into the world. And you know what it's like, you know, if you have, a, have had a child out there, you know what it's like. I mean, you know, you just can't wait. You're so thrilled, so excited. You're going about doing everything you possibly can to make provisions for this new life that's going to come into the world that you're responsible for. And I mean, it's an, a joy and it's an excitement that you just can't even express or explain in words. It's indescribable. But now, the child that is born has a problem. This child has a dumb spirit. Their hearts are very saddened because of not only the physical problem, but also there's a spiritual problem here too. Because listen, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what that family went through? Watching their child being torn by this demonic influence? That had to be heartrending. They had a hurt, just like people hurt in families today when they're facing these kinds of problems. They were hurt as a result of their son being torn by this demonic influence. He foameth. He would go into these convulsions and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Now, here are these people, they're in the world, and to them, maybe the world doesn't seem to be fair. Why should we be the ones that have a child in this condition? Who knows? It doesn't talk about them having any other children. I, mean, I don't know whether they did or not. The Bible doesn't say so. But it might have even discouraged them from even having other children. Because this one was probably a, a whole lot to handle. But it sounds like from the very beginning... This child had a spirit come upon him that caused his physical problems and then also these emotional problems. And now this child is uncontrollable. Oftentimes he's almost trying to kill himself and take his own life, but of course it's because of this demonic influence that is there. And their world really is just crashing down around them. And they don't know what to do. They, they need help. These people are desperate. And you can see right here, in his desperation, he is going to Jesus' disciples to find out if there can be help for him from someplace. Someone has to have a solution to this problem. Someone has to help us. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. But this was their world. You know, we all have our own little world that we live in. You have your own little world that you live in. And most of it is right up here in your own mind. You get into your car, you're driving down the street, you're in your own little world. True? You get in your own house and you've got all kinds of things to do and you're in your own little world. Right? Absolutely. And of course, sometimes we think that our situations or our problems are more difficult than somebody else's. And sometimes I think people take, you know, a little bit of consolation in that because, you know, Oh, my problems are more difficult than yours. For whatever reason, I don't know. And if someone else tries to tell them how bad their problems are, of course, they want to beat that and just say just how much worse their problems are. 
But each one goes his own separate way into his own little world and faces the different situations that confront them individually or as a family unit in life. And this family unit was no different than family units today. They were experiencing hardship. They were cut to the very heart when their child was born this way. It was difficult for them. See, it's hard for us to relate to someone else's anguish and pain. But sometimes I think it'll do us a whole lot better if we were to to do that. So that we can have compassion to rise up within us for others. Get our minds sometimes off of ourselves and take ourselves out of our own little world so that we can help someone else. Well, of course, his disciples couldn't help this individual. As a matter of fact, look at verse 19. They could not cast out the devil, so the boy could not be made well. He answereth him in verse 19 and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. I want you to notice a key word in that particular verse. Verse 19, faithless, faithless, faithless generation. I began to realize when I became a Christian that there were many, many that had no understanding of how to use the faith that they had. And I asked myself, why? And for the most part, I guess I had to blame the ministry, the fivefold ministry. Because you see, beloved, people behind pulpits are supposed to be preaching and teaching the Word of God. And when the Word of God is being taught to people, there will be faith. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And when people continuously hear the Word of God, then faith will rise up in their hearts. But if all people hear is that which is negative, if they hear doubt and unbelief, and if they hear traditions of men, then those traditions will make the Word of God of none effect, and people will not be able to understand how to appropriate faith to overcome the world. What good is it if this man knows the, uh, the Old Testament law from beginning to end if the man's child never gets well? Can you see how hopeless he is? What is it? What does it really matter if he gives all of his money to help the poor? And still his child is destroyed. His child's life is destroyed. He's still empty inside. This guy is crying out for help. This guy wants to know a living God. This guy wants reality, does not want religion. Religion has done nothing. Tradition has done nothing. This man wants help for his child. That's what he's looking for, a solution to the problem. That's what he wants. And who can blame him? Can you? I certainly can't blame him. He did not want to see his child take his own life. He did not want to see him tormented by these devils and demons. He did not want to see him suffer any longer. He could not tolerate it anymore. He did not know what to do. And so he went about finding out how somebody could help him. And I don't fault him for that. People today, beloved, are turning to all kinds of other means of help. Did you know that? People are going over to the side of New Age because they need help. And nobody's providing help for them. They're going in, some are going to spiritualism. I mean, look at the television today with all these psychic things going on and, and all that. They want their poems read. They want their cards read. They want all kinds of things. Why? Because they're looking for something that they don't have or that they can't find or maybe that the church is not offering. 
people don't want to hear, you've got to stay that way. God wants you like that for the rest of your life. Why? Because something on the inside says, I want it so badly. And God said, He gave me the desires of my heart. I don't want it to be like this. This is my child that we're speaking of. This is our life. This is our world. It's our family. What help? Someone's got to have a solution to this problem. And of course, he goes to Jesus. And in verse 20, they brought him unto him. After Jesus says, bring him unto me. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. In other words, he went into a convulsion. He went into a fit. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. So all of his life, this child was tormented. All of his life. I guess if you could say he had a life. He didn't much have a life, did he? Can you imagine viewing the world through those eyes? Can you imagine being in that family unit and that is your world? Can you imagine what it would be like having your child every single day? You would never know what was going to happen. If you read other references, you find out that he tried to throw himself into the fire, tried to throw himself into the, into the water or the lake or the river or the sea to be drowned. I mean, it had to be a horrible experience for this family. And this fellow in desperation is trying to find a solution to his problem. Oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst, now look at this very carefully, but if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I mean, that was a cry. It was a cry for mercy. It was a cry for help. I admire this guy. You know why I admire this guy? Because he never gave up. He never gave up. Who knows who else he went to? There may have been false prophets in that day and he probably went to them. Maybe he went to the spiritualist. I don't know. But he went places trying to find help. Obviously, that's true because we see him appearing here on the scene when Jesus and his disciples were walking around. So he had to be trying to find out how he can get help for his child. And he didn't give up when his disciples couldn't cast the devil out and provide the help that he needed. He was not a quitter. He was not going to have his world destroyed without a fight. And so now, he comes to Jesus and he says, look, if you can do anything, help. I'm going to tell you what, that next verse has challenged me my entire Christian experience. It's what my Christian life is based on. It is what the ministry God has given me is based on. And it's what God wants me to communicate to, to God's people effectively and in a powerful way. Look at what Jesus says to the man. Something the man did not know. He said, look, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe. If you. In other words, see, you were living with the thought that someone else can help you. 
But I want to correct your way of thinking. I want you to understand that there is help for you. If you can believe, if thou canst believe, if you can but believe, this is what he's telling this man. Now that tells me something right there. If Jesus is telling this fellow that if he could believe, there must have been a reason why this man could believe. This man had to have a foundation for faith. This man had to know that God made provisions for him. This man had to understand some things in order to be able to believe because the Bible says, how can one believe if he's not heard anything? And so Jesus reveals an all-important truth that should affect us as well as this man here. He says, look, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. In other words, your world could be changed. And your problems, your situations that you face in life can and will be overcome if you can believe. For all things are possible unto him that believeth. Oh, that has been a challenge to me all of my Christian experience. All things are possible unto him that believeth. Say that with me. All things are possible to him that believeth. Can you see why the enemy doesn't want you to get into the arena of faith? Can you see why he does not want you to understand how to believe God? It's okay, since you're a Christian now. See? It's okay that you're a Christian because he couldn't stop that. But now, he doesn't want you to know that there, there are unlimited possibilities to the individual who learns how to use his faith and believe God. If a person knows or learns how to believe, that person can change his world. He can change the world around him. He can find solutions to the problems that he has and faces in life. And I guarantee you the enemy will put everything in your way to oppose you and to prevent you, and also me, from learning how to use faith that I have in God. Because all things are possible to you then. And you think he wants you to walk around that way? You think the enemy wants you to be that powerful in the kingdom of God so that you can control your own life? He has to be in control. See, the enemy wants to be in control. He wants to hold us in bondage. He wants to hold us in oppression. He wants to cause and create things in our lives that will destroy us. He doesn't want us to be in control. Because if we are in control of our own world, we're going to be out there telling others how they can be in control of their own world. Aren't we? We're going to be showing them the way to victory. We're going to show them how to overcome the world. We're going to bring them into the kingdom of God. We're going to school them in faith. He doesn't want that. He wants to keep us defeated and destroyed. All things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. 
help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. Can you imagine what happened to that father when he received his son whole and sound in his mind? Can you imagine? I mean, I don't know how many years, I don't know how old this, this child was. This boy was, I have no idea. Maybe he was 16. Maybe he was 17. Maybe, I don't know, 12. Who knows? But for all these years, this child was tormented. This family was destroyed and their world was falling apart around them. But at that moment, can you imagine the joy? Could you imagine the victory? I can only try to put myself in that father's shoes when he finally saw his child being whole again. What about you? You know, beloved, I saw this. When you teach people how to live by faith, that's what you do for them. Did you know that? When you show them how to live by faith, it restores something to them in their lives that enables them to conquer the world. There is such gratification in that. I remember telling an individual who loved playing a piano for God, but yet could not play that piano more than 20 minutes at a time because arthritis was so bad in her fingers that every time she, she began playing for that length of time, she could no longer play. I took her aside and I shared with her that all things are possible to him that believeth. I gave her the formula to faith in Mark 11:23, and simply said that if you believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass, you will have whatsoever you say. A very simple truth. I said, you take that verse of Scripture home with you, you meditate upon that, and stop trying to believe God, and now believe God. And I want to share that with you here in a moment. You know the difference between trying to believe God and believing God? It's a big difference. I'm trying to believe God. Oftentimes we hear people say, that's like me having this Bible right over there on this pulpit and saying to you, I'm trying to pick it up. I'm trying to pick up this Bible. Does that make sense to you? I'm trying to pick up this Bible. Standing here looking at it, maybe even reaching out to it, I'm trying to pick up this Bible. You can't relate to that. It's either I pick up the Bible or I don't pick up the Bible. I'm not trying to pick up the Bible. See, very often we think we're believing God and try by saying we're trying to believe God. But trying to believe God doesn't get us anywhere. See, believing God is... Picking up the Bible. That's believing God. This is believing God. Not, I'm trying to believe God. 
There's never any contact or connection with what you're doing in God, with what you're saying in God. This woman told me for 15 years I've been trying to believe God for my healing. For 15 years I have fasted and prayed and I've tried, I'm trying to believe God. And I thought, how sad. For 15 years you've been trying to believe God and no one has ever come along and told you how faith works and how to believe God. So for the, for the most part, your world for 15 years has been one of pain from arthritis and dissatisfaction because you have, and discouragement because you've not been able to use your talents and abilities for God the way you'd like to as a result of this arthritis that's in your hands. He said, no, it's not trying. It's finding out what God said in His Word and then doing, picking it up. See, believing God is making a decision. That's what it is. It involves making a decision to believe that what God says is true and then deciding to act way. That's picking it up. And I told her, you go home and read those verses of Scripture in Mark eleven twenty three and 24. And verse 24 says, whatever you desire when you pray, believe. All things are possible to him that what? Believe it. I said, don't try to believe. Just say, I believe. Believe you receive it and you will have it. Believe you receive it and you will have it. Believe you receive it and you will have it. Pick it up and you will hold it. Right? Believe you receive it and you will have it. For all things are possible unto him that believeth. She came back to me and she said to me, the next time I saw her, I went home that night. I saw that verse of Scripture like I've never seen it before. I kept asking God to heal me for 15 years. I kept trying to get healed for 15 years. By asking God to heal me for 15 years... I would get on my knees and pray. I would fast over periods of time for 15 years. I never felt better. She says, but when you said to read those verses of Scripture and told me to act on them, I did that very thing. I went home. I got those verses of Scripture. I saw what they said. And then instead of trying, I just did it. I did what they said. It's like picking it up. It said, believe, I receive, and I will have it. And so, I just said to God, you said right here in your word, if I believe, I receive it, then I'll have it. And so, I thank you that right now I receive healing from arthritis, and I no longer have arthritis. Thank God, I am now free. She saw that truth. She spoke it out. And she said, now I believe I no longer have arthritis. Beloved, what she could not accomplish in 15 years of trying, she accomplished in one night of believing. She said, I woke up the next morning and I could play the piano all day long without any pain in my fingers. All day long. I can play as long as I want to. Now, beloved, can you imagine all those years she could have been doing that? 
All those years she could have been playing pain-free. But you see, because she didn't understand how to change her world through faith, she put up with that all those many years. And beloved, there are many things that children of God are putting up with for many years because they've been trying to believe God, but no one's ever come along to tell them how to believe God. Believing God is just finding out what He said in His Word and then actually doing it. Not trying to do it, but doing it. You find yourself a portion of Scripture. You pick it up, so to speak, take a hold of it, and say, this is what God said. And if this is what God said, then that's exactly what I say about my life. And when you do that, that's acting on the Word of God. And beloved, when you act on the Word of God that way, all things are possible to him that believeth. It doesn't say to him that tries to believe. It says to him that believeth. And this man did not know that. This man learned a valuable lesson. Jesus taught him to get his eyes off of others and get his eyes on himself. And don't limit the possibilities of God in his own life. Beloved, I want you right now to listen to those words and apply them to your own life and my own life. Get my eyes off. Get your eyes off of what others can do to help you and then realize the potential you have on the inside of you to believe God so that all things are possible unto you. God has given us in His Word a statement that should challenge every heart here tonight. Every single one of us should be challenged and motivated to pursue bigger and better things in God. There is something that will enable you to experience all things. The possibilities are unlimited. What is that thing that enables you to experience unlimited possibilities in your life? What is it called? Believe. All things are possible to him that believes, or to him that believeth. See, there is something, beloved, on the inside of every single one of us that has the potential to change our world, to reach out and bring into the realm of reality the unrealities of hope. Nothing is too difficult for God. And those things that He wants to accomplish in our lives are realized through our own personal faith. And faith is nothing more than finding out what God said and then deciding or making a decision to agree with it. Jesus told this man right here, if you would believe, all things are possible to you. Can you see why the enemy does not want us to get into the realm of belief? Can you see why he wants to keep us full of doubt and unbelief and indecision and confusion? You see why he does not want the church of today to learn about what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth will come to pass? 
Because if he can confuse people along those lines, he takes you out of the realm where impossibilities are made possible. He takes me out of the same realm where impossibilities are made possible. And even though the potential is there, all the mechanics are there, it's all there for the using, I am so far removed from it because I have no knowledge of what it means to believe. Have you ever forgiven somebody for something they did to you? But then a week later said to yourself, did I really forgive that person or not? And maybe two weeks later you had some feelings rise up within you. Maybe somebody did something damaging to your life uh, a time ago, a year ago, two years ago. And as a result of what they did, you found yourself harboring some ill feeling in your heart toward that person. And you thought you asked God to forgive you and you forgave that person, but then every so often the thing would come up time and time again. And all of a sudden, you would find yourself saying, I don't know whether I ever forgave that person or not. I can't seem to forget what took place. I can't seem to forget what had happened. You know, beloved, a person can be tormented for the major part of his or her life by incidents that took place let's say years ago, sometimes in childhood, a person can be tormented as a result of experiences that took place in life. And that person has got to be taught how to use his or her faith to change the world he or she is in. Let's say a child was molested. Let's say a child was battered and abused. Let's say a child was hurt by family members or friends at school or whatever, whatever the situation may be. It's hypothetical. But that person is being tormented and maybe 20 years have come and gone and that person is still living with the memory and living with the effects of the things that took place many, many years ago. That person, as a result of this torment is incapable of functioning properly in society. And the torment is there day and night. This person needs help. This person needs to know how to change his or her world. And I want you to know that faith will enable that person to overcome that part of his or her world if they only know or knew how to use faith to overcome it. That person will go on saying, I'm trying to forgive. I'm trying to forget. I'm trying to put this out of my mind. But I can't seem to do so. That person has never been taught how to unleash this miracle force called faith to not only eradicate the hurt, the heartache, and the pain, but also to wipe away all the effects. That person needs to be taught how to use faith. How do you teach that person to use faith? It's like this. You say to this person, only God can heal the broken heart and bind up the wound. 
You say to this person, there has to be a period in time. You see, beloved, we are controlled by time in this life. There is no time in the realm of God. But in this life, we are controlled and affected by time. And therefore, we've got to come to a place in time where we make a decision to deal with something that took place in our lives by faith. You tell that person to locate themselves, come up with a period of time that they are going to release faith in God to deal with the problem that took place in their life maybe years ago. So that once and for all, they could be and, and would be decisive as to what they have done with the problem. So finally they get to a place where they're going to make a decision to do something about the problem because they don't want this thing to affect them for the rest of their lives. They don't want to be overcome by this for the rest of their lives. See, they think they're believing God because they're trying to believe God, but yet they're not being successful. Here's the reason why. You need a point of contact, a period of time that you have released faith in God to overcome the problem. For with God all things are possible, and all things are possible to him that believeth. And now, it's not trying to believe, it's going to be believe. And here is how you believe. You write down on a piece of paper, pick up your pen, your pencil, write down a piece of paper. Today is February the 1st, 1995, and it's approximately seven minutes after eight. On this time, date and time, I make a decision to once and for all forgive whoever it was that abused me or hurt me in this life. I release them of their debt. I forgive them with all of my heart. And I put all that they've done into the sea of forgetfulness. Now, God, I look to you now. Your word says you heal the broken heart. You bind up every wound. And right now, I believe that you have touched my heart. You've healed it and you're binding up my wounds in Jesus' name. That's what you said. That's what I believe. And as far as I'm concerned, that settles it. You write that down. You log it in your book. That is it. And I thank you for my victory. I've overcome this problem. Now, beloved, a week goes by and a thought comes. The thought comes to your mind of something that took place. The moment that thought comes, what do you do? What do you say? How will you act? What you now do is you go back to your point of contact and now it's your point of reference and you stand there in your own world and you say. And what you say is your faith speaking. You say that no longer exists. That was dealt with on February the 1st, 1995 at 8.07 p.m. It was dealt with once and for all. 
I will no longer be affected by it. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. For I believe God. Notice that word. It's not how I feel. It's not what I think. It's not my emotions. I believe God has healed my broken heart, bound up all my wounds. God has put that in the sea of forgetfulness. And I live in a new world now. I will never be affected by that again. I will never give that person the satisfaction of one more sleepless night in my life. Do you know that what you believe is possible? Do you know the more you say that, the more real it becomes? And you will have changed your world. Beloved, would to God we can take people out of mental institutions and teach them how to use faith in God. I believe it would change the world in which they live. It would bring them out of defeat and into victory. People have not been taught how to use spiritual forces. And let's say a month goes by now, and all of a sudden, you see that very person that offended you years ago. What do you do on the inside of your world? You don't get upset. As a matter of fact, you are bubbling over with joy on the inside of you because it no longer exists as far as you are concerned. God is bigger than your problem. God is more powerful than your emotions. And you have used that thing called faith, your faith, to bring God in on the scene. And you've changed your world right now. And so a month later, on the inside you say, Thank God I dealt with it once and for all. Thank God it's in the past in the sea of forgetfulness never to resurrect again. Thank God I don't have to have one more sleepless night. Thank God I'm victorious and I've overcome the world and everything that has brought my way. Thank God for the victory in my life. You know what? You're not trying to believe anything now. All things are possible to him that what? See, now you're believing. Now you're believing. You're not trying to pick this thing up. You picked it up. I picked it up. That's it. And you leave no room for any other thought about it. Let's say two months go by. What do you say? What do you do? Same thing. What are you doing now? Believing. See, you're believing God. That's what believing God is. That's what believing God involves. Now, that same girl with the piano, six months go by, and all of a sudden she feels the pain in her hands. What does she do? What does she say? You know what she says? She says, six months ago... I believed I received my healing. And I did. And as far as I'm concerned, I dealt with it then. Thank God I don't have to deal with it anymore. 
See, that's a counterattack of the enemy to try to get it to come back on her. But she's learned spiritual truths now. And you know what she does? She closes the door. Locks the door. Puts the key back in her pocket. And she says, Arthur, you can't come in. Mr. Wrightus, you have no place in me any longer. See, she has believed. She's not trying to believe. She believes. Beloved, when the child of God learns to believe that way, do you know what it opens up to him or her? Unlimited possibilities. Unlimited potential in God. All things are possible to him that believeth. As I said during these Wednesday night services, we are going to talk more about how to get God on a scene through your faith. Every time that person makes that declaration, God gets bigger in his or her life. Did you know that? Every time. Believing God is just taking a truth from His Word, picking it up, making a bold statement, saying it, and then refusing to give in to anything that opposes it. That's what true faith in God is. And that's what He wants us to do in our lives. And if we'll do it, we'll overcome the world. Our faith gives us the potential to overcome the world and everything that comes our way. Now, beloved, I also want to get to a place where we talk about how to resist the enemy or the adversary steadfastly in the faith. That is so important. See, many go about this life not knowing they have an enemy, but that enemy has got to be resisted. And I want to show you how. Do you have to eat every day to stay strong? Do you have to drink water every single day to stay, stay strong and healthy? Yeah, you certainly do. You need food. You need liquids. Do you need rest every single day? You certainly do. Well, can I say this to you then? If you don't know you've got to resist every day, you're vulnerable. Do you know that? And how do you resist? In your faith. Or with your faith. Every one of us has got to have our eyes of our understanding enlightened and opened to the knowledge that we have an adversary out there who does not like the way we look and wants nothing to do with us. Wants to destroy our lives and destroy our world. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, You're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.